Hello and welcome to the Edgar Podcast. I'm Rob Chilton, editor of Edgar. And I'm Nathan Irvine, senior digital editor of edgardaily.com. Coming up on today's show, uh, we dissect the cover star of the March issue of Edgar, which is Mark Ronson. We test drive the new Sennheiser earbuds, talk to top chef Jason Atherton about his addictive hobby, and try the new Gucci fragrance. So let's begin with Mark Ronson. He has a new album out this month in March called Late Night Feelings. Uh, We're, of course, used to Mark Ronson being that kind of disco king with Uptown Funk. Can you believe Uptown Funk is four years old? Four. Four years old. November 2014 when that song came out. I remember the video. Yeah. The Bruno Mars video. There's clothes. Uh, Julio get the stretch. (laughs) It still gets played today a lot. It does. Dance floor filler. Um, but so Mark Ronson is back. He's the uh, the producer, the DJ, the the, the songwriting mastermind with, with around amazing hits. And of course, he's enjoying great success at the moment because of Shallow. Have you seen A Star Is Born? Um, I have not. Right, you need to see it. It's very, very good. <laughs> I saw it at the weekend. Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper, lots of Oscar buzz. Uh, didn't really do well at the Oscars with the acting awards, but the music, the song... Uh, Shallow, which Mark Ronson co-wrote with Lady Gaga, won a Grammy, won a Golden Globe, and won the Oscar. Amazing. Uh, so he is riding high at the moment. His new album, um, he says it's going to be an album of sad bangers. Oh. What does, <laughs> what does, what does that mean? Because That's... he's going through a divorce. When, oh. when he was writing this album, he was in his bedroom feeling pretty low, and so he wrote these uh, <laughs> these songs, which he calls Sad Bangers. <laughs> Um, that's how he announced it on Instagram. This, okay. this is his new album called Late Night Feeling. So I'm really curious to see what a sad Mark Ronson is like. Yeah. You know, he's he's used to these, he's familiar for all these upbeat, sort of high-energy disco records. Yeah. He's produced you know great artists like Bruno Mars and Lady Gaga, Lily Allen, and of course Amy Winehouse. That was perhaps the... Yes. The collaboration on Back to Black that got him into the mainstream. Yeah, and he's a he's an ambassador for the Amy Winehouse um, charity as well. Is that right? Yeah, that helps um, sort of uh, people with uh, young artists with mental illnesses through music. So it mm. it helps them out as well. So yeah, I mean he's um, he's he's done a lot. The the big facts that I found out today when I was researching him though, mm. which I didn't know, is that he is the son of the lead guitarist of Foreigner. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I had, had no idea <laughs> that was the case. And Mick Jones. Yeah, I Mick Jones. Yeah. 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 He's had a really interesting life because he's he's kind of one of those you know London New York kids. Yeah. And his his you know his parents and his friends of his parents they're all in the music biz so mm. I think he's one of those guys that just grew up in that environment you know and went to school with other kids or famous people so yeah I think for him the transition into music and that world was not really a, a massive leap yeah he's he's quite a secretive guy though like I, you don't yeah. really see him doing many interviews um like you know when whenever you see him he's popping up to grab his award for yeah. some some uh, track that's that's you know scooped a golden globe or scoops an oscar you don't really see him in the papers that much yeah he's that classic bedroom producer you know mm. he's everyone knows the name mark ronson but would they be able to pick him out of a lineup not really sure so i think now like with amy winehouse when when that was uh, that when she was at her peak yeah there was a lot of tabloid and paparazzi uh, attention for ronson but yeah. that has faded away but i think now that he's winning all these awards people are finally realizing that actually he is kind of a, a super producer yeah yeah he's he's done amazing work can you give us a snippet of the uh, of the the feature? Of what, well, I, we've, got? we've called him the most neurotic man in pop because uh, there's lots of lines from Ronson where he talks about how he likes to rehearse things to death. 
He's had stress rashes and anxiety attacks. He passed out in a toilet once because Uptown Funk was driving him to desperation. Right. I think it sounds like Bruno Mars is a, a bit of a, um, a perfectionist and, right. you know, real pays attention to the details. And so I think working with him on that track, Uptown Funk, Bruno Mars sings the track, obviously. Yeah. I think that really drove Ronson to breaking point. So, wow. um, you know, I, I think that's why he's got that interesting kind of you know producer angle he's not just this shiny happy pop star he's quite willing to admit that sometimes the, the pressure and his his uh, his desire to do great work can drive him a bit loopy right so staying out of the limelight is probably a good thing for him then maybe yeah, doesn't Give need that additional pressure back to the bedroom mark yes <laughs> for your sad bangers <laughs> You had an opportunity to speak to Jason Atherton recently, didn't you? I did, yeah. He's a, a British chef, one of the top chefs working today. He's got a Michelin staff at his London restaurant, Pollen Street Social. And he has a very successful restaurant uh, in Dubai called Marina Social, which is at the uh, Intercontinental yes, in Dubai yep. Marina. Lots of restaurants all around the world, uh, wins loads of awards, really successful guy. And he was in Dubai to cook a special menu with Gary Rhodes, his, uh, his pal. Right. So I went along and had a chat with him. I was kind of uh, wrong-footed when I met him because uh, he walked in in his gym kit right. uh, for the interview <laughs> with a bottle of water in his iPod, sweating profusely. He gave me a, a very sweaty hand to shake. <laughs> I thought, what, what have you been doing? He said, oh, I've just been doing a, a workout. So it turns out Jason Atherton is a mad boxing fanatic. So let's hear about that. And then my, my, my instructor left here because um, I have a trainer wherever I go in the world. And then... My PA booked a new one, but he turned up, his name's Joe, he turned up with all this, like, boxing stuff. And I'm like, I think there's been a mistake here, do you mean? Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, your PA booked a, a boxing lesson. And I was like, oh, well, look, oh, okay, let's do it, right? So I'll do four days of boxing with you, why not, right? Yeah. And I'll just do the weights myself, do you mean? Yeah. And I, I loved it. Okay. And then I went back to London, so I said, look, find me a boxing gym, and I'll split, instead of, you know, I'll do like three mornings boxing and then like three strength lessons a week um, and then my normal running on my own at weekends mm. and she said okay fine so Anthony Joshua just launched that BXR gym in Malibone in yeah. London and that was right near my restaurants mm. so I joined then and so happens that the guy the elite guy trained everybody is a guy called Kevin Mitchell who fought for the world title uh, three times to see the results and to see over like since we started with Kevin in August and to see it progress, and now when you see him to say like when he does, you know, he does double straight, he has to hold with two pads, whereas before he, he, he just right. push you back with one joint. Yeah, yeah, okay. And you see the results, right? And that's that's addictive, do you know? So there we go. That was yeah, as you say, quite an interesting side to Jason Atherton there. Well, yeah, I think, and I, I really found that interesting. That. Uh, I found it really interesting when he talks about how chefs are very obsessive. Of course, mm. we know that, but you don't think that that maybe you know bleeds into other areas of their life. But yes, clearly it does with yeah. Jason Atherton. He also mentioned to me how he once became obsessed with golf. Yeah. And uh, he you know got down to I think a six handicap you know just from teaching himself. Yeah. So I think he then translated that passion for detail into boxing. Yeah. And he's gonna you know maybe have a fight in April you know in a an organised arena yeah. in London. And I think. You know, chefs, once they get onto something, they just want to do it to the nth degree. Yeah. And Atherton said that there were, he, he once, for seven months, he, he boxed every single day. That yeah. was, the, that was the, his longest sort of period of obsession with the sport. He did that with um, with golf as well, didn't he? He played it every every single day for, for seven months. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. So okay. maybe seven months is the <laughs> sweet spot for, for getting good at anything. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's amazing. And he's been, he's been taught 
How to Box by Kevin Mitchell. There's not many people... I mean, Kevin Mitchell's a, a world title holder, or was, uh, before he retired, yeah. a British boxer. So there's not many people that can say that that's who their personal trainer yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, so it's a good personal trainer to have, right? it, it really is, yeah. They're probably one of the best for boxing, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Atherton knows lots of boxers. I think a lot of boxers have come into his restaurant, and Atherton follows the sport, so he can spot them a mile off, and he goes over and has a chat with them. But, yeah, it sounds like he's... Um, yeah, the, the training regime... The other thing that he shares with, as you mentioned before, with Gary Rhodes is... Gary Rhodes basically went from skinny chef on the TV back in the UK with spiky hair to fully ripped man... Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe that's just the new trend. Maybe they're yeah, yeah. maybe they're all planning some sort of secret fight club where they <laughs> all, where they all fight each other to be the number one. Well, Tom Kerridge, also a very famous British chef, he's written books and done TV documentaries about how he lost. I think it's twelve stone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He lost a ton of weight. Um, and also Gordon Ramsay, of course. Mm. He he really got into triathlons and he he does Ironman races, I think, as well. Yeah. So. I think it's inevitable that these guys, if they work really hard and they get to a level of success where they can just ease off the restaurant side of things, they want something else to channel that yeah. energy into. And so often it seems that you know sport and looking after themselves is the way to go. Yeah. Who do you think would win in the fight between the Michelin-starred chefs? Mm. Who, who, who do you think would be the world champion? Well, Ramsey's a big guy. Yeah. I'm, I met, yeah. I interviewed Gordon Ramsay a few years ago in New York, and I was surprised at his size. Like you know, he's, <laughs> he's tall, his shoulders. Big arms, big hands. Yeah. I wouldn't want to face him in the ring. Right, and he's quite angry as well. So yeah. he can be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got that intimidation factor going for him as well. Grooming. Let's talk about grooming. So uh, we all know that Gucci make lots of fragrances, of course. But the uh, the hot news this month is that Gucci have released their first ultra luxury, premium, high end range of fragrances. Ooh. They are unisex. They're called Alchemist's Garden. And I went along to talk to the uh, the fragrance maker who made them, Alberto Morillas, okay. who's a Spanish guy. There are only, I think, nine master perfumers in the world. There are actually um, f- fewer master perfumers than men who have stood on the moon. Right. I think there's 11, wow. 11 astronauts, but only nine master perfumers That in the world. is quite so, the fact. So this guy, he knows his stuff, and uh, I had a chat with him, and uh, he told me all about these new fragrances. Do you want to try... The eyes of the tiger. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do it live on air. Have we're, gonna, we're gonna have a little sniff of the new fragrances, which come on a on a little little card. This is a little testing card yeah, for testing you. Testing card. Yeah. So there are nine new fragrances in the collection. Um, I've got voice of the snake. Yes. <laughs> You've got what it like? eyes. The eyes of the tiger. Eyes. Not, not just plural. not just one eye of the <laughs> tiger. Yeah. We've also got the last day of summer. Now this is Alberto Morales's favourite one. He okay. was he was wearing this the night. I met him at the event. Okay. And I've also got Winter's Spring. So you'll see that all the fragrances are represented by an animal. So we've yeah. got a snake, we've got a, I think maybe a pheasant, a bunny rabbit. What have you got? I've got the tiger. Right. Uh, of course you have the eyes. Yeah, and, the and his eyes as well. Yeah. yeah. So have a little sniff. What do you think of these? Um, well, the eyes of the tiger, I'm, I quite like it. Yeah? It's very musky. It's musky, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Winter, spring, it's more like a, a fresh garden. This was, uh, Alberto said he was trying to create a, a walk through Rome in okay. the spring. So it's got sort of that fresh, I don't know, like a spring yeah. day. Yeah, very trees. very back to nature with this back one. Back to yeah. nature, okay, good, good. Mm, yeah, that's a good one, winter, spring. Last day of summer, this is quite sort of floral, like rose perhaps, maybe a little bit more on the girly side. But okay. he insists that it's unisex. Mm. I think... Well, it smells a lot like the spring one as well. Yeah, okay. 
It's a seasonal one, though. Summer, spring. Summer, yeah. spring. There you go. And then let's try this one, the voice of the snake. So this is okay. kind of the the darker one. It's um. Mm comes in a black bottle whereas all the other ones come in a white bottle so it's a bit okay. more nighttime yes. oody you know that kind of thing i'm leaning towards this one right as, as my favorite so yeah. the, the bottles are based on vintage italian apothecary bottles they're very beautiful yes um and they are i think 1280 dirhams for a for a bottle of this stuff so check it out gucci the alchemist's garden new ultra luxury fragrances from the famous italian brand and where can you get them are they uh... Gucci stores? Gucci stores only, yeah, okay. exclusively in Gucci stores. Go check them out. So we've had some products come in this week, some headphones to review, or earbuds, should we say. We've had the Sennheiser Momentum True Wireless It's quite, a, quite an inspirational name, isn't it? True Wireless. Yeah, true, as opposed to that fake wireless where, <laughs> yeah. it's, where it's got a wire on it. <laughs> I think a lot of brands, they just call things, you know, P5 and yes. A2, but they've gone for Momentum True Wireless. Mm. Uh, the case what do you think of the case these little earbuds the the case is nice um they always usually with these wireless cases they're always quite they're quite nice they're quite robust i like the uh like the closing mechanism it's a nice snap isn't it a nice magnetic closure there There we go go. nice magnetic i like the fabric the case it's like a a gray tweed or something yes like a a nice rough texture it feels pretty good i mean i'm far more likely to find this in my apartment than i am a black one that's a good point because i all the like tech these days is black, right? So in the bottom of a bag, you can't see it. So these might actually be helpful to to find as the, the yeah. small grey box. Yeah, exactly. You you've been you've been test driving these, so yeah. to speak. How are they? I really like them. I mean, I've got a pair of Sennheiser big over the head earphones, and I'm a fan of those. So yeah. I was curious to see if that quality would translate to earbuds, and they definitely do. I tried this morning, I tried some Radiohead, I tried some Mozart and some David Bowie. So right. I, I went through a few genres there mm. and they they handled it all really well. I was just surprised that, you know, without wishing to again, speak to you basically about it, like just the, the power of the, the sound that came out. It just felt really strong. Okay. Um, I've had other earbuds where it's been, you know, kind of okay, but a little bit feeble, but these have got a, a lot of power behind them. Yeah. Um, they've got a seven millimeter uh, driver, so it's a little bigger than most of these earbuds. Most of the other ones are like maybe five and a half, six. Okay. So these are seven millimeters, so a bit more beef that way. Four hours of power, but if you plug them into the case there, and yep. you get 12 hours. Um, the controls, you know, you're, the, like all these earbuds, you tap, you know, for like once to pause yeah. a song, twice to skip a track, that kind of thing. Yeah. Slightly annoyingly, when you tap to change the the track, it beeps. Right. Okay. The other ones I've had don't. It's just a silent. Hmm. you know control so if you're in the middle of a song and you, you want to skip on the next one you tap twice and it goes beep and then it starts the next one okay. not a big deal but you know maybe it could have been refined by, without yeah. with leaving the beep out maybe there's a way to turn it off in the um maybe there is there in, are, in the settings there is but the ear shape is good they fit really comfortably they were snug i walked around they didn't wobble one bit yeah so i'm i'm a big fan they are are you ready for the price here I'm ready. Have a guess. Um, I would say uh, 700 dirhams. Ooh, keep going. It's uh, 1,249 <gasps> dirhams. For the best sound you've ever had, right? But they're Sennheiser. I mean, Sennheiser, <laughs> they are the, like, they are the, you know, some of the, the top players in the headphone game. So you're yeah. getting a lot of bang for your buck there, I'd say. Is it the so with the speaker, the the sort of the larger um, speaker that you have in there? 
is it offering just more bass or is it offering like a better soundstage than its competitors? I'm not sure that it offers more clarity as such. Okay. I think it's just pure power. Right. You know, it's just pure, like the size of speaker. Okay. So I think, you know, a 5.6 millimeter speaker is going to like have a good sound, but seven millimeters right embedded in your ear like that and these yeah. earbuds, you're going to really feel that. Okay. And in terms of like their, like, uh, cancelling out noise around you are they okay are yeah they... really really good i was completely unaware of anything going on around me when i was listening <laughs> to these and then but if that freaks you out it's okay because they have that setting where you can let external noise in a little bit so uh yeah if you're crossing the road you won't you'll, you'll hear that car coming don't worry yeah <laughs> Let's talk TV and movies. Uh, Nathan, you are a bit of a true crime fan, is that right? I am indeed. Not a fan of doing crimes in real life. Good. But I am fascinated by the genre. And what have you been watching lately? Um, I have been watching the Ted Bundy tapes. My name is Ted Bundy. I've never spoken to anybody about this. I am looking for an opportunity to tell the story as best I can. I mean, I'm not an animal, I'm not crazy, I'm not a split personality. I mean, I'm just a normal individual. Um, I've just done an article on edgardaily.com um, regarding the top five shows, or top six shows that you can watch on Netflix right now that are regarding true crime. And Ted Bundy, um, is that like a, a documentary or is it more of a dramatisation? What's the style? It's a, it's a documentary this time. Um, it's about the confession tapes that he did with some journalists back in the 70s. So he was, they basically, it's, it's really interesting. The journalists went in there to try and get a story from him. But Ted Bundy, who's a serial killer, by the way, from, uh, <laughs> from the United States, just in case you've never heard of him before, um, he was a he's an egotist and a sociopath so he just wanted to talk to them about him and about his career aspirations and things like that bear in mind he was already locked up and convicted for this for these crimes mm. at the time so what they did was it was very interesting they made him they gave him the recorder and just said if this was you that was the killer how would you have done these things <laughs> and uh, apparently his his ego just couldn't let him not have this opportunity to talk about it. Right, okay. So uh, he just cradled the uh, the recorder for the entire time, and he talked about um, hypothetically doing these murders and what that type of person um, was like that was committing them. With, by, but all the same, talking about himself. It sounds quite chilling. It is, it is. And it's quite... It's interesting for a number of reasons. The first one is having that much contact and um sort of like that that space to interview someone like this you just wouldn't see that these days right. I, I don't think so anyway um and the second part of it was like just how he just didn't see that he was ever going to be caught so right. I, and i guess that's the the sociopath in him he just had no idea that he was going to get caught so outside the courtroom before he was convicted he was like oh it's fine everything will be good i'm mm. you know i'm going to run for for office one day and you know he had all of these all these things going and he was a very charming guy um i think that's one of the things one of the characteristics about him mm. um but yeah you you watch this and it's like oh yeah yeah there's definitely some weird stuff going on and in, in today's way. political climate he might actually get into the senate or <laughs> that is true yeah that is true um, yeah. <laughs> in in other interesting ted bundy news and um it, it's a it's really odd but there's the confession tapes that came out for Netflix 
already, mm. and then Zac Efron is going to play him in a movie. Is that right? Yeah. Um, I can't remember the name of the okay. movie, but he's going to play him in a movie. Because Ted Bundy was quite a handsome chap, That's wasn't it, he? Yeah. He's quite a charming, charismatic mm. guy. People have said that about him, so maybe... You know, the Golden Boy movie star Zac Efron is, is a clever bit of casting. It, it does work. I've seen pictures of him, the stills, production stills of him, and he does definitely look okay. like him. Um, but the, the one thing that this does bring up, and I've, I've listened to, like, serial podcasts, I've watched Making a Murderer, you know, I've listened to, like, Dirty John. I'm, I'm not addicted, but it's just something to fill the time when I'm walking my dog. <laughs> but the, 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 um, the interesting part about it is just how we've let this true crime genre just sort of take over. Yeah. Like, we can't get enough of it. Uh-huh. And we don't step back and go, is this right? Especially with Ted Bundy, because we're almost making him out to be the superstar that he wanted to be. Yeah, there is a certain glamorisation of these mm. people, isn't there? And uh, Which, you know, I, I guess people are just fascinated by these crimes. That's why crime is on front page of newspapers and of websites. They just they go crazy for these stories. I just finished the... The People versus O.J. Simpson, which is on the, yes. the true crime drama strand of Netflix. Ten parts, all about the O.J. Simpson case from 1994. Um, Cuba Gooding Jr., David Schwimmer, John Travolta, Sarah Paulson. It's a great cast, and oh. I loved it. Me and my wife watched it. We were gripped, you mm. know, because it, it's pretty much, if you watch the real courtroom clips, yeah. they pretty much copied it in the show. So you wow. feel like you're you're seeing a courtroom drama, but just with a little bit of Hollywood pizzazz and it's it's fascinating stuff but that's the other thing as well like um just on what i was talking about before how does that affect the victims families like yeah. you know how does that how does that affect oj simpson when he's watching that is he just happy and relieved that he's not in prison but the but the families of the victim is like is this good yeah. is Pe- they, they know that people are enjoying mm. quote marks you know the 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 the, the hoo-ha the the fiasco of a yeah. court case that was ultimately about their you know, beloved relative yeah. who was killed. So yeah, mm. it's a it's a it's a tricky sort of ethical line to tread. It is, but if you're looking for the best six to watch on Netflix right now, yeah, EdgarDaily.com. All right. Local news, bit of culture here. The Emirates Airline Festival of Literature is going on in Dubai right now, and uh, we did a story on Douglas Copeland for Edgar Magazine, the the famous Canadian author who uh, wrote Generation X, which oh. really changed the. Yep. Bit of a zeitgeist novel, that one. And so we did our, our wise guy piece with him. We, we looked at all the fabulous and interesting uh, things that he said over the years. And he touched upon something that I really, really, um, that really intrigued me. He talked about how his, uh, he, his pre-internet brain. Oh. And I thought, that's a good point. Because, wow. you know, I'm, I'm of that age, I'm 43, when, you know, sort of, I don't know, half of my life was, was pre-internet and now mm. half of it is post-internet. And it's true, like, if we if we can't remember, you know, who was in that movie or the capital city of that place, we just Google it. Whereas 20 years ago, you didn't have that, that power. And so Douglas yeah. Copeland talks about how he can't remember how his pre-internet brain used to work. And it must have worked in a very different way. Everything yeah. was slower. You know, you, you weren't connected all the time. You weren't able to get all this information in, in 1.3 seconds. Yeah, you don't, you don't think about these things. And I mean, mm. like, it's probably... It's probably changed up the uh, the the pub quiz game massively, yeah. you know, with people just looking up anything and everything on their phones. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I, I mean, I think how old was I when when the internet first started kicking in properly? I think I must have been about fifteen, fourteen, fifteen. Right. So like early nineties, um, and it was like honestly, I don't remember 
anything apart from the fact that it took ages to do the dial-up when it first launched. <laughs> but then we, we just, like, we went stratospheric with the yeah. technology and now it's like we we're constantly connected to it yeah we have a we have a device in our in our pockets that can connect to it yeah at any moment so and i think no one takes the time just to stop and think anymore i think douglas copeland talks about that quite a lot he says no one just sits and daydreams and he said that's how he used to get the ideas for his novels just yeah. by staring out of a window but now we don't have that time anymore we, mm. do, we fill it with internet stuff you know yeah and I think it's it's a really important, like really interesting, like thought idea that pre-internet brain is is long gone. I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be very interested to know if anyone actually writes novels now for the 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 sort of short attention span generation. Yeah. Like the ones that have grown up, I guess millennials would be the uh, the, the the phrase for it. Yeah. Um, but if anyone has actually put together a novel that is just quick bits of text. Yeah quick paragraphs quick sentences yeah, just to yeah. try and just to test it out really that's the way forward mm. sadly it really <laughs> is it really is so there we go that was the edgar podcast thanks so much for listening pick up your copy of edgar at all good bookstores and supermarkets and don't forget to check out edgardaily.com for daily news features articles about anything and everything to do with luxury men's lifestyle 